1911, a Native American walked out of the wilderness near Oroville, California. He didn't speak English, he wore few clothes, and he didn't know much about the westernized modern world. He was the last survivor of the Yahi tribe. Local authorities handed him over to a group of anthropologists at UC Berkeley. They called him Ishii and housed him in, of all places, a San Francisco museum. That's where Ishii lived as both a janitor and, well, a kind of living exhibit, showing throngs of visitors how to make arrowheads. He was a sensation. He was known as America's last Stone Age Indian. But just five years later, Ishii died from tuberculosis. His body was cremated and placed in an urn in a San Francisco cemetery. And that's where our next episode of Reconciliation begins. It picks up almost a century later in the late 1990s. It was then that a group of Native Americans banded together to give Ishii a proper burial in his ancestral homeland. Anthropologist Oren Starn, who was writing a book about Ishii, traveled to Oroville to meet with the Maidu tribe and heard something intriguing. One of the the men there told me that he had heard a rumor that uh, Ishii's brain had been removed from his body. In other words, that when Ishii was cremated, uh, his brain wasn't part of the human remains that were put in that jar in that cemetery. And he said that he had heard a rumor that Ishii's brain had been pickled, preserved for science, that it was on a museum or hospital shelf uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere. He didn't know where. So Starn decided to do a little digging. If the brain was really out there somewhere, he wanted to find it. After going through some old correspondence between anthropologists, he discovered the rumor was true. Yep, strange as it might seem, science in the late 19th century was in the throes of a brain craze. Scientists preserved brains and used them as evidence for their ideas about racial hierarchies. By 1916, the brain fad was on its way out. But it hadn't disappeared altogether, which helps explain why Ishii's brain was taken from his body. Taken, says Starn, despite the fact that the idea would have horrified Ishii himself. In Native Californian culture, and in particularly in Yahi culture, there was a, a quite strong idea that the, the dead should be handled as little as possible, that once death happened, the body should be buried right away, and that any kind of extended contact between the living and the dead was dangerous to the living and was also the wrong thing to do by the dead, that it hindered their journey up into the the second level of the cosmos. So for Ishii, the, uh, the idea of an autopsy was, a, was, was something that horrified him and that violated the very basic principles of his own Yahi cosmology. So it's almost certain that he would not have wanted an autopsy to have been conducted. Well, tell us how this comes out. I mean, did you end up finding the brain? Well, what happened was that the brain, Ishii's brain, because the idea of studying brains had, had was going out of fashion, was never studied. It stayed in a jar and then a tank with a bunch of other brains in a Smithsonian warehouse, ultimately in Maryland. Is that what they call and a think tank in Washington? They may call it a think tank indeed. They, they may indeed. Uh, these brains were, were, were floating in a stainless steel vat. And, uh, yeah, that sounds like in- Brookings. <laughs> 
they they uh, they uh, were there through into the 1990s. They called it the wet collection. There's a special part of the Smithsonian warehouse where they keep all the the pickled dolphins and the dog embryos and the brains. It's the stuff of a crazy science fiction movie or horror movie all in itself. And so what happened was I gave these letters that I had found showing that the brain had been sent to the Smithsonian to the Indian activists in, in Northern California, and they went to the press. And, and what, year is, getting, what year is this? Or? We're talking 1999, 2000, about mm-hmm. 15 years ago now. And so this became a mini little national story on All Things Considered and the New York Times and the Washington Post, brain of legendary California Indian found in steel tank in Washington. And the Smithsonian was really quite embarrassed. They uh, initiated uh, right away... Uh, kind of investigation to figure out how to return the brain. And ironically, they decided that the Maidu tribe, the tribe that had begun the whole crusade to to bring Ishii's body back to Northern mm-hmm. California, were not the closest living descendants of Ishii's Yahi. And instead, the, the Smithsonian chose two other tribes, the Pitt River Tribe and the Red and Rancheria. And to their credit, the, the, the Pitt River Tribe and the Red and Rancheria uh, answered the challenge, and they picked a delegation of elders and mm-hmm. uh, spiritual people, about eight of them, and they flew out to Washington. This is right before 9-11, and they uh, wrapped up Ishii's brain in a sacred deerskin, and they took it back as carry-on luggage back to California. And they drove up into the canyon of Deer Creek, five hours from San Francisco, and they held a ceremony, and they buried Ishii's brain and his ashes in, there in a spot that will remain secret forever. And at this point, we're talking about roughly 2000, what did you think returning Ishii's brain would accomplish? Well, you have to put this in the context of the of the so-called repatriation movement, which really gathers force in the 1990s. And this is the movement of Native Americans to demand back the skeletons and the sacred objects that have been dug up and stolen from them over the past 100 years. So it's part of a larger reconciliation effort, if you will. It's part of a larger effort at reconciliation. The uh, U.S. government passes NAGPRA in 1990, which is a long name for a law that obligates museums to return human remains and sacred objects to their tribal descendants. And you have to imagine that Ishii was a very became a very powerful symbol for Native Californians because his tribe was exterminated. His brain, against his will, was removed from his body. So many Native Californians came to see Ishii as a symbol for all of the terrible things that were done to them. So doing the right thing by Ishii, reburying in his homeland, became for many Native Californians a way to try to reconcile themselves with a history in which they'd been very much mistreated and victimized, and which Ishii himself had been mistreated and victimized, his his tribe wiped out, and uh, his body uh, desecrated after his death. So once the dust settled, was there some sense of closure on the part of Native Americans here? 
Well, I have a very personal perspective on this. I went in 2000, in September of 2000, it was a, a beautiful fall weekend up by Mount Lassen. And I went to the memorial ceremony, the public memorial ceremony that the Pitt uh, River Tribe and the Redding Rancheria organized after they had done the secret burial of Ishii's remains. And so they held this ceremony out in the shadow of Mount Lassen with the beautiful California light in a meadow. And they invited everybody who wanted to come. So people flew out from the Smithsonian, people like me who had been involved came, some of the Maidu came, some people came up from whites and Indians from the Central Valley of California. And so we had this memorial ceremony there in the meadow uh, to remember Ishii and to reflect upon his life and what meaning it might have for all of us. So this was, a, a, for me, a, a, a powerful ceremony, a, a powerful example of the effort at reconciliation, the effort to try to recognize the, 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 the terrible things that have happened in the past, the terrible things that may still be happening in the world today and to acknowledge those in in uh, together. But Native Californians and Native Americans in general are realistic. They don't imagine that a repatriation ceremony are going to fix the problems of poverty and alcoholism and marginalization. So I think for, for Native Americans, reconciliation, repatriation is just one piece of a much bigger uh, puzzle that we together still haven't managed to solve. Orrin Starn is an anthropologist at Duke University. He's the author of Ishii's Brain, In Search of America's Last Wild Indian. 